Hey friends, Andy Jenkins here with the Warrior Hope Podcast, where every week on each episode, it's our mission to do this, to connect veterans to their next mission. The most common obstacles that we see are always the same. It is number one, isolation, and number two, unresolved hurts, unprocessed pain from the past. We really believe that your next mission matters because number one, you have a purpose. You're designed by God to live out some purpose that other people don't quite have. And number two, there are people that are dependent upon you leading out that next mission. There are people who are going to be affected by you living out that purpose. Those people include, first of all, your family. It includes your friends. It includes fellow service members. As we often say, these are people uh, that had your six, Uh, You had their six and they still need you in order to connect to their next mission and you still need them in order to connect to yours. That's really how it all works is we all push forward together and honestly, we're better together. Well, today I've got a guest here that happens to be a good friend of mine, Rock Hobbs. Now, Rock used to fly fighter jets, F-16, and he talks a little bit about that career here in this episode of the Warrior Hope podcast. And then he shifts. When he left the military, he went to fly commercial airliners, did that for a season. And just before he was about to retire, he stopped. He really feels like his purpose, his next mission then was to help people walk out some of the spiritual and soul hurts that they carry. Not just veterans, it includes veterans. In fact, he leads these retreats uh, where veterans get away for two to three days with their spouses, but also to help all people everywhere deal with internal hurts and truly find freedom. So this is my friend. I invite you to listen in. You may want to listen and re-listen a couple of times. Listen here to my friend, Warren Rock Hobbs. Rock actually leads Transformation Ministries, which does a lot of work in the area of inner healing. But, but before he did that, he was actually, you were, you were in the Air Force, weren't you? Is that, That's right. 21 I, years. Yep. Uh, I mean, 21 I've years a, in the Air Force. I see a picture of you. Like now I'm looking through the camera yeah. over your left shoulder. It's, it's kind of like right there. <laughs> yeah, that's it right there. Okay. So you, you were in the Air Force 21 years. I, I interrupted you right there. Man, tell me. Uh, first of all, what you did in the Air Force. Let's just kind of paint the picture of who you were as a as a. Right. As, as I was pretty much. I retired as a lieutenant colonel. Um, I grew up wanting to be a um, a pilot and wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. Yeah, I didn't didn't get into the academy. We didn't have any senators with vacancies at the time, so my timing was not good there. But I got scholarships and. Did ROTC, and that's got me into the pilot track and uh, pretty much went straight out of college into the Air Force, and I flew the A-7 in the beginning, and then most of my career was the F-16. I had over 2,000 hours of flying the F-16, and uh, my last assignment when I retired was uh, the uh, guard advisor for uh, Colorado and helped them convert from the A-7, which was the very first airplane that I ever flew, to the F-16, which was the current one that I was um, current in and as an instructor yeah. as well. So um, it worked out great and it was a blast. But yeah, I was uh, um, on the TAC staff during the first Gulf War. 
pretty much um, helping to uh, work with the fighter part of the war and getting uh, fighter support into theater and then supporting the wings when they were over there. Um, and uh, it was a great, great career. I, I loved being a pilot. And uh, when I retired, I got hired by United Airlines pretty quickly. And uh, I started flying for them and flew as a pilot for them for about uh, 11 years, um, a little bit more. And the, the thing about my experience as a fighter pilot and then um, with the airlines is that when I first started in the, in the Air Force, I was a young Christian who loved the Lord, was on fire for the Lord, got married to a person, uh, a woman that was a missionary from the Philippines, and it just didn't work out. And the marriage ended up um, kind of disintegrating early, pretty quickly. We only lasted about six, seven years. But at, after that, I just kind of got mad at God. I was I, I got I didn't denounce God. I didn't turn my back on God like angry kind of thing. I just said, you know what? I'm I'm just going to start living life to the fullest. I'm going to party. That's <laughs> what I well, thought. This is why you're a fighter pilot. Yeah, fighter pilot. At the very yeah. beginning, I'm young. I'm only like 22, 23 years old. And by that time, I was around 27, 26, 27. So the problem is for me and my story is I never. I was always a straight-laced kid in high school and in college. Didn't drink, didn't, didn't do drugs, didn't smoke, didn't curse, state of virgin, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, I get in the Air Force. I, I kind of turn my back on the Lord. And I, what the Air Force term is I, I light my hair on fire. I just went crazy. And um, I got introduced to alcohol. And the military is a big facilitator on drinking. And um, in that process, I slowly became a very functioning, but an alcoholic. And um, I, it didn't affect me in the Air Force and it didn't affect me initially in the airlines, but eventually I did and I got in trouble. Um, and I thought I was gonna lose everything. I thought that I was gonna, my wife was divorcing me and I thought that um, my life was just falling apart because my real identity was by that point is what I did. It was, I was a pilot. Oh, yeah, and and you I, had, was a I mean, that's a great job. Like that's not, right. I mean, that's one of the jobs. It's it's not that no work is honorable, you know, it, but th there are certain jobs that you kind of list up there as like, oh man, that's really a, but when you say fighter pilot or, yeah. or you know, I'm, I'm flying the commercial airline, like that's a, that's a job yeah. that like little kids grow up wanting to be that. Right. And, and so, yeah. And you know, just as a matter of fact, when I was flying the 747, the first day that I did a walk around inspection for the 747 to, to start learning how to do that walk around, I just looked, kept looking up at that airplane going, how does this thing even get off the ground? You know, like I'm going to be flying this big, one of the biggest airplanes in the world. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing that after flying one of the fastest and most deadly airplanes in the single seat, single engine fighter to now I'm in this crew of four people flying across Atlantic and Pacific for 15, 16 hours. Um, but in my, the point of my story is, is that I, the, with the alcohol problem for me, that's what, where God met me. He met me at my worst. He met me at the bottom. 
and um, pulled me out of that. And when that happened, and he did a miracle in my life and that my, my wife didn't leave me. I didn't lose my job at United. Um, I kept on, uh, got my, kept my, all my tickets, so to speak, from the FAA. And everything in my life got put back to where it was even better. And I was sober and I wasn't drinking and all that kind yeah. of thing. And, and then um, God called me and said, hey, now that I've given it all back to you, we willing to give it up for me and go do something for me. And that was the beginning of the start of the second half of my life. You know, there's, there's a lot of stories out there. A lot of, there's a book out there called second half. Right. And, um, and it's a great book and it, it touched me. I actually read that book and it was about, you know, your first half of your life is very successful. And then you get in the locker room and you're with Jesus. He's the coach and he's going, Hey man, you're, your first half of your life and the game plan and everything you've been doing has been great. You're talented. You've been very, very successful. You're top gun in the air force one year and all the different things. And, and he says, but how about you want to change up the game plan for the second half of your career of your life? How about would you, would instead of being successful, would you rather be significant? And that whole significant thing really hit me. And do I want to have impact that's going to last eternal? And I started thinking that, yeah, I think I do. Yeah, I think I do. And then when all this stuff starts happening, um, I finally said yes and I convinced my wife that we could do it. So I quit United, which was a major step. Um, I had yeah. to forfeit everything. Yeah. How, how old were you when, you when you stopped? When you left the Air Force, you know, 21 years as a fighter pilot, and then United Airlines for over a decade. Right. Give me that's some about money. 50, 53 or so. Okay. That's a hard time to stop a major career with, a, with, with great retirement benefits yeah. and also stock. All my raises for 11 years, most of my raises in the airlines didn't come as cash raises in my pay. It came as stock options. And wow. so um, by my decision to leave United happened shortly after 9-11. And 9-11 put United in bankruptcy. So we lost all of that stock. And when I quit, I didn't have time to make it back up. Those guys that stayed in, you know, pretty much United rebuilt a plan and got them kind yeah. of caught up with what they lost. I didn't have that option if I quit. And I did. And uh, I, But I'll never – I'm glad I did. And he brought me here to Birmingham, and we started – in ministry first with um, a place called Safe Harbor that has a great ministry still here in Birmingham um, that helps families that have teens that are struggling, rebellious. But in 2009, I left that and started Transformation Ministries. Um, one of the biggest things on my heart at that time was I want to be able to go back to my fellow um, Air Force guys and the military and the veterans yeah. And I want to share with them what God did to change my life and um, bring me out of a lot of the things that um, caused PTSD in my life. A lot of the things that affected me because um, in the fighter pilot business, you may not come back from the next days from your flight that day. I mean, there, 
guys crash, guys do have mid airs, guys um, have to bail out and a lot of things that can happen. And so there was that sense of camaraderie almost even in peacetime that, you know, we're, this is kind of, this is dangerous what we're doing. And when the war started and I was um, in the airlines, I saw these young guys that I had trained in the F-16 coming back with war stories. And some of my young lieutenants that I trained and, and broke my wife's heart got killed in the first Gulf War um, from different things. And um, when you start losing friends, uh, things start affecting your way you think and you get, you know, your emotions and all that stuff, or you compartmentalize and you shut that down. And what we do, what all good military men do and women is we just stuff it. We just don't think about it. We get out of our, out of our conscious thinking and we think we're strong. We're just going to put it into that subconscious locker and say, if I don't think about it, I won't feel it. And I'll still be able to maintain, keep on fighting, keep on doing whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing. It's and kind I, of like I, kids where, you know, kids just hide, hide behind a, like this. You're like, well, if, if you can't, if I can't see you, then you don't exist. Oh, now you, I mean, we kind of do that with emotional. And, and I think when you're in the military, the thing that you hit on, when you're, when you're flying a, a jet at however fast, you're going, you, you know, like you said, even in peacetime, there's so much danger because of what you're doing is so quick. And there's so, so much volatility, even when you're just training, you have to be trained to stuff that down. You can't emotionally deal with it when somebody goes down and you're in a jet going, you know, 700, 800 miles per hour above enemy territory you don't have time for an emotional breakdown in that moment. But at some point, if you don't feel it and deal with it, it's, it's, it's going to come out. Right. And it comes out usually in your ones that are closest to you. Yeah. I lost my roommate and one of my best friends in Korea when I was stationed there for a year. And I was on the crash site. Uh, part of the crash site team. I was one of the safety officers and I had to literally go back to my bathroom and pull hairs out of his brush so that we could identify him and bring, I could bring his remains back to his family here in the U S and those kinds of things um, can, if you think about it, I would not want to, I'd have trouble saying I'm going to go tomorrow, the next day and get in the cockpit and go fly. I mean, it just starts yeah. affecting you. And so what happens is we stuff it. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I see with uh, fellow veterans of all military, you know, Army, Navy, everything, is when they stuff it, it works for a while and they act and can perform at peak levels. But when they come out of that environment back home, then it starts to unravel and the PTSD issues of their life begin to totally affect them. And many times, very scaredly, if it's happening in their dreams and their and with things that's out of their control, like they can't help, they wake up and they're on, you know, on top of their wives yeah. thinking they're fighting with somebody or whatever. So most guys don't want to admit I have PTSD and go get help because they want to be strong. And so they try to struggle through that. So my, one of my biggest messages to any 
guys that I totally love and respect that have been military guys is, hey, man, it's just the way we were created. We're going to have some issues that are going to affect us, and we have to learn how to let those go and let the Lord bring a healing to that. It's not that you're broken or bad or that, you know, there's something wrong with you. That's like unworthy or dishonorable. It's just that you've been through a lot. And so my heart for ministry for vets is big. I mean, that's what we want to do. It's good to hear you say that because I think a lot of these wounds that people carry, they're invisible, that then pop up and become visible. They, they so often we feel show what's wrong with us, but really those all highlight, like you said, what's normal and right with you. You were created this way. You think about like the experience that you had with the friend that you had to help identify right there. It would be abnormal for that not to affect you. If if you could do what you did and it not have an emotional consequence of some sort, I mean, people would, Right. Besides stuffing it down for the moment, having to get the job done. But if at some point that doesn't, you know, do something to you, pe- people would look and go, well, that that's not healthy either. Right. And so I think one of the messages, you know, that need to come across uh, related to PTSD and moral injuries. Hey, this stuff, this stuff happens uh, because of what you've been through. What you've been through is a traumatic life changing event uh, of different sizes and number two, this stuff doesn't highlight what's wrong. It actually shows what's right about you. Like you're created in the image of an emotional God who loves, who feels, uh, you know, Jesus felt grief. He felt anxiety. He was distressed. He felt joy. You know, all of those emotions, you know, this is part of what it means to actually be human and even be created in God's image. Uh, go, go ahead. I interrupted you right there. You were. No, uh, no, I just was going to say that, um, you know, the, when God uh, made us to have these emotions, um, the army and the our military is so great and so professional and that we can train men and women to be able to take those emotions and those feelings and fears and all those things and overcome them for mission. And yeah. that's what makes our fighting uh, machine so powerful. But when you get out of the place where that mission is not there to kind of be the lid on top of everything and you come home to a a little boys and a little girl and and a wife and and there's no mission that's causing that to be suppressed, it's you can't help it. It's going to start coming out over time. What do we do? They start drinking or using drugs or, um, you know, just a million things that can happen. And they don't want to admit that there's something deep down inside that's really killing them. Not killing them. It's just painful. It's, they, it's having nightmares and tremors and all the different things. Let me ask and, you this. Uh, a lot of times we, 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 we tell people, you know, hey, you just need to jump in and find a new mission or find something to do. Or you'll, you'll hear language even in kind of in civilian world where people go, well, you're going through something hard. Just do something to keep yourself busy. Right. Which just kind of goes back to what you do in military, like keep yourself on the mission, like you don't have time to deal with it right now. Right. How much of that is helpful and how much of that is not helpful when you say, just keep yourself busy, just get yourself something to do. Does that question make yeah, sense? It does, except for I don't think that um, there's a, they can just keep busy yeah. when they come back to the new environment, the home family environment. 
the newness of out processing, the newness of getting back with kids, the newness of all the stuff that's in this transition period. But that period of time goes by pretty quickly. And, it, and that whole busyness of, of re-entry back into normal civilian life um, pretty much evaporates, I think, you know, like even within the first six months, you're, it gets calm again. And, okay. and all of a sudden, your mind is just re-engaging. Um, and if it starts to re-engage or things trigger you, you know, that's the big thing about PTSD, right? Is PTSD trigger is triggered and you go back and you feel like you're in that event. You think you're still there. Um, it's kind of like your brain was designed to be able to take bad events and horrifying events. You ex exude those memories when it's happening, but then you are able to put it on this train and it takes it from your frontal cortex, which is the now present things. And it drives it back to this memory place and dumps it off and it files. It says, hey, that's not real. That's just a memory now. And so we learn to deal with our memories. And sometimes we get emotional thinking about someone we might miss or something, but it doesn't keep us in that moment as if we were actually there. It's kind of like what happened with real with these HD TVs. It used to be that kids and people would play these games on older TVs and it it would be easy just looking at the screen saying this is just a TV screen and, it, and you know it's a game and all that. But they made things so real and yeah. so vivid that once they get into these games, they people that are gamers sometimes can't tell if they're in a real thing or not. They're, they're in it. And that's what happens with our brain is that that memory stays right there. And um, we just have to – we've learned in Transformation Ministries – a way of coming alongside of these men and women and we don't pressure people we don't thump the bible at people we don't preach at people we share how did god this this being that um, everyone has different degrees of what they believe and think and how they see god but the one that we're talking about we just share how did he take that burden off of us how did he set us free from that ptsd and I don't know how many young men I've counseled and women that have been working with the VA and the VA does the best they can to help our guys and women from with their, that are struggling. But to tell them, you don't have to have this for the rest of your life. God can set you free from this if you'll let him. And tears coming down their eyes. I, mean, I, I don't have to have shakes. I don't, I don't have to have these nightmares all my life. No, you don't. Um, but you have to be willing to listen to what we're going to share with you and try it. And yeah. um, we've been having an amazing success with our three day retreats with the vets. It's been, it's been so wonderful. Yeah. I was in the office right there. You were telling me about you guys do that. Uh, and for three days, you get away with a, a very small group. So it's very intense, very focused. Uh, people get to know you, you get to know them, walk with them, they get to know each other. So that camaraderie piece is back. It's not uh, just this massive thing where you kind of disappear. I mean, it's like you're really up close and personally doing this with other people there. Um, man, I, I appreciate so much your time. I, I want to get back on here another time and just talk all about what you guys do at Transformation. As we close out, tell me, tell me this, uh, you know, Top Gun is coming back out the t t tell me uh when people see that that have not been in a fighter jet before 
what's what's real and what's not real what 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 is what matches your experience what doesn't match your experience um one of the best things that the most amazing thing about technology advancement for me now remember i'm i'm an old guy now so even though i flew the f-16 i remember picking up one of the first ever brand new F-16s off the assembly line, I was at GD at the airfield taking acceptance and flying it to my base. And 21 years later, I was flying the same airplane back to Phoenix, Arizona to the desert because they were parking it because it was outdated and old and they weren't going to fly it anymore. And um, I remember towards the end of my career with all my experience in the F-16, and understanding the F-15 and some of the other um, other cosmic uh, new generation airplanes, the movie Firefox. And in Firefox, Clint Eastwood is stealing this MiG from the bad guys, and they're chasing them. And he and he calls up the missiles, and he he just looks over at the airplane that's way back behind him, and then he looks ahead and he selects a missile and he shoots it, and the missile goes out, and then it turns around and it goes way behind him and 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 blows up the bad guy and i said that is so stupid that we don't have any weapon that can do that we're all either heat seeking in front or you have to have a radar lock which has got to be in the front quadrant you can't shoot anybody but it's behind you unless you turn around and point your nose at them and here we are now with the f-35 and the f-22 and what do they have radar helmets that they look lock on get the radar looking 365 degrees they're looking straight ahead. They fire the missile. It goes back. They leave. <laughs> I'm going, oh, my God, I'm old, yeah. you know, but uh, that's pretty cool. What the things that the military and I'm sure the guys in the army with the tanks and the Navy with the different um, boats and the vessels and submarines and stuff. It's like technology today. The kids that are in the in the military right now got to be having a blast with all the things that are going on um, with that. Yeah, I've got, so, I've got a friend that was a tank mechanic. I remember I was like, that's your job. He's like, that's what I chose. Like he, you know, he grew up around vehicles that like when he, when he had the option, you know, like he's like, I'm going yeah. to, and so, um, you know, he got to steer that a little bit. And he said that even just the time he was in, it changed radically on a, on a tank, you know? It, so I, I can't imagine things. You don't really think of a tank as being like, you know, ultra high technology, but you know, turns oh. out, it's amazing what those new tanks can do. But yeah. I just, the amazing thing for me is how do they put the track back on a tank? Nobody can jack a tank up. How do you, how do you put that track back on that thing? They do oh, it. No, I'm going to get him on the podcast and we'll find out. So, <laughs> yeah. Man, I, yeah. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing a bit of your story there. I uh, appreciate everything that you guys are doing there at Transformation Ministries. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you some more and uh, learning a little bit more about you, about what you guys do and about how to help people uh, heal from the past and move forward into their next mission. I just want to put a shout out to any vet watching this by chance. And just, I just want you to know one thing, everything you did that's in support of our country did not go without notice and that you were an important part of history and it's very, and you are appreciated by millions and millions of people. And, um, if there's anything that I can ever do to help a vet that's struggling with some of those things we've been talking about, don't hesitate to call me. My door is always open for that. And um, 
I just really respect every vet that, get, that people don't understand what vets, what military people go through with their family life, everything else yeah. to support our country, to keep it free. And there's a lot of sacrifices there that go unrewarded. But I, I see those. I understand those for those guys. Yeah, yeah you've been through it. Uh, I'll put a link to, you know, just for how to people to get to your website, get in contact with you. I'll put all that below in the show notes. Man, is there is there anything else we didn't record that you want to say? I got so many things to say, but we'll save it for another time. I'd love to come back and, and do some more with you on this. Yeah, and, um, I'd love to do. You told me, more. told me by the way, you're going to come to the next retreat and be one of our speakers. So I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on that one. I will. I need. I just need the date. I mean, as soon as you got yeah, the date, as soon as you got okay. the date, send it. I told Beth, November. she was jealous about it. She's like, well, yeah. So I actually went through their training. I used to be there. Like, so. Yeah. yeah. November of 22. That'll be the next one. So uh, we have people flying in from, uh, yeah, from Pennsylvania, from yeah. Texas, from all over to go to it. And the other thing about us is ours is open to bring your spouse. We want to That's minister cool. to the spouse as well as the, the vet. And we don't want to leave them behind. They get left behind all the time. And so this one is a, a family thing. We can't do the children yet, but we can, um, if you can get, find care for the kids, we can take the spouse and the vet. How do people, do they apply or do you guys, how, how do they find Just go them? on our website, go to the website. You'll see the whole thing for veterans and you can, it'll have a video of me talking about it and a video of one of the last retreats we did and uh, it'll explain it. And then, uh, they got my contact information. There'll be a registration when we get close. There'll actually be a registration sign up for it online. There's no cost to it. The only yeah. cost is we finally said you have to pay $25 to register because too many vets were signing up and we were preparing for them and then they didn't come. Yeah. So we sense. figured if we put about $25 skin in the game, that people would at least come. Well, there, yeah, and, that's um, not, that's so low of a threshold. Yeah. We Don't put you? them up in the hotel. We, we feed them. Our food is awesome. We have a whole team of women that all their whole mission is to cook for these guys for the three days. And that's all they do. And man, we eat like kings. All right. The 22nd is of November. Yeah. It's a Tuesday. That's of 22. No, November of 22. It's usually right around almost close to Veterans Day or somewhere. Oh, so, somewhere. Veteran. So you don't have yeah, to somewhere in that. November. Okay. We don't have the date yet. Okay. I was, I was looked up my calendar. I was going to put it down. I'll just put it down when you get it dialed in, but yeah. Trust me. I'll let, I'll let you know. Trust me. Is it, is it weekend or is it during the week? No, it's, oh, it's a Sunday evening, a Sunday afternoon registration sign in and you're done by new Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, that works. Okay. So just as I do every single week, I want to pull back three of my top takeaways from this conversation. Number one is this, you stuffed it. If you have an unprocessed pain and unhealed hurt from the past, it's okay. There is a time and place to stuff the pain. As he said, when you're flying a jet and you're about to go Mach 1, that's not a time that you can really emotionally walk through some hurt that you're feeling. However, at some point, you do need to deal with the hurt. There is a time and place to do it. It's okay, you stuffed it in the past. That tool, that response got you to where you are. Now, at some point, it's time to unstuff it and deal with the stuff that you stuffed. 
don't leave it there forever. Number two, it's normal to be affected by some of the things that you went through. Say, so, so get that again, deployment is a radical life-changing experience. If you were in combat, you were in war, that is a life-changing experience. If, if you weren't on the front lines and you were just moved away from home to run supply or uh, to be part of the whole chain of distribution there, it's normal to be affected by that. It's normal to be affected by missing some of these high moments for your kids, by missing your spouse, by life being different when you come back from deployment. It's normal to be affected by that, okay? So the experiences that you had were life-changing, they were major. If in some way you sense that, golly, this shouldn't have affected me this much, that's normal. It would be less normal to go through that amount of change and not be affected. So the fact that you're struggling, the fact that you deal with some stuff, it really shows that, that you're okay, that you're normal. So again, now's the time to unstuff it, to deal with it, to walk through it. There are people who will walk through that with you. In fact, I will put a link down in the show notes where you can get in touch with Rock and the ministry that he leads, uh, as well as you may want to join a Warrior Hope support group, a center of hope, uh, and unpack that. But what you're dealing with and the fact that you have stuff to deal with, that's normal. Here's my third and final takeaway is deal with it. Don't, don't just cover it up. Don't just keep busy. You need to heal the hurt. Now, this is advice that people gave to me one time when I was going through a different cold season. They would just say, hey, just keep yourself busy. Just occupy yourself. Man, I, I get it. I understand where that's coming from. And there is a place, there is a time to keep yourself busy. At the same time, you can't just Put it away. You think about it, if you broke your arm, you wouldn't just cover it up with gas. You, you don't do that. You reset the bone first and then you cover it up. And so if you're dealing with an emotional hurt, an emotional pain, don't just cover it up, deal with it, and then cover it up and keep busy and find some things that you enjoy, some things that can occupy you, some, some hobbies, some interactions, some relationships, some connection with other people, and then keep setting it, resetting the, not just the bone, but the emotional hurt, and then cover it up a little bit and then uncover it, deal with it, and then continue moving forward. Again, here at Warrior Hope and on the Warrior Hope Podcast, what we do is we connect veterans to their next mission. We would love to help connect you. The most common obstacles that we see are isolation and unresolved hurts. Don't walk this thing alone and don't feel like you're the only one that has pain. I really believe that as you do those, you're gonna find out that it all matters because you have a purpose to fulfill and there are people who are going to be affected by you living out that next mission. Those people include your family, they include your friends, they include fellow service members. And as we often say, these are the people that had your six in the past, you had their six in the past. They still need you to have theirs now so that they can fulfill their next mission. You still need them to have yours so that you can fulfill yours. We are all, let's just be honest, we're all imperfect. We are all better together. Do me a favor, like it, subscribe. Wherever you're listening or watching from, let us know. Reach out to us. We'd love to connect with you and take that conversation farther. I'm Andy Jenkins signing off from the Warrior Hope Podcast. I'll be back next week with a guy who is leading a group, not one of our groups, just a different kind of group who's really found his mission. You'll be excited, I know, to hear that episode as well. I'll see you again soon.